It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on today's show, we're going to talk about the latest details of the 2020-2021 NBA season, an update on the bubble and how the Oklahoma City Thunder match up with the Houston Rockets. It's the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Let's get started with how the Thunder match up with the Houston Rockets. So throughout the next couple of weeks here, we're going to be previewing each of the possible postseason matchups. Yesterday, we started with the Utah Jazz. Today, we move on to the Houston Rockets. And this, of course, would be a series that has a ton of drama involved in it. So far this season, these two teams have matched up twice. The Thunder have won each matchup between the Rockets. They beat them 113-92 and 112-107. And this has a ton of drama because of the fact that you have Russell Westbrook taking on his former team. You have Chris Paul taking on his former team and, and and the bitterness that went in between Chris Paul and the Rockets organization and Chris Paul and James Harden. Of course, Russell Westbrook leaves the Thunder on better terms. But still, this matchup has a ton of storylines, a ton of drama, and it does get taken away a little bit by the fact that this this series would not be taking place in Oklahoma City and in Houston, respectively. It's going to be taking place, of course, inside the Disney World bubble. So let's look deeper at this matchup between Oklahoma City and Houston. You, of course, have to start with Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, two guys who have had great seasons so far. Chris Paul has really adapted to his surroundings as a leader in Oklahoma City. He's been the reason why this team is so successful. As a veteran, as a guy who's getting towards the end of his career, he hasn't complained at all about being around these young guys. In fact, he's embraced the young guys, and I think it's helped elevate their games like Shea. Uh, For Russ, he's doing a lot of things that we wish he did in Oklahoma City. He's not taking threes. He's, he's making smarter decisions. Uh, he, he's resting on back-to-backs and things like that, something he didn't do in Oklahoma City. And they're both having very good seasons. Uh, but let's break this down into how this is going to play out in the postseason. Now, we know that there's not going to have the, the storyline of returning to Chesapeake and returning to uh, the Toyota Center for Chris Paul. But this is still going to have some theatrics along with it. And we've seen the last two years that Russell Westbrook in the postseason uh, can get too far ahead of himself. He can get outside of himself in the postseason, and it's not always a good thing. You look at what happened last year where he cared more about his personal matchup with Damian Lillard than he did about the series as a whole. You look at the year prior to that where even rookie Rubio was able to bait Russell Westbrook into a series-long fight and bickering match, and it created 
uh, rest to play outside of himself and, and to not really uh, focus on the series itself. And was he was more so determined to shut down Ricky Rubio, which he couldn't do that series. And the Jazz won that series, and, and, and Russ played pretty bad in that series. And the rest is history. So Russ has shown that he's a very emotional player throughout his career. And I find it hard to believe that even though it's in Orlando, the emotion of playing Oklahoma City, of playing Steven Adams, of playing his old team, I find it hard to believe that that emotion uh, will get taken out of him and he'll be able to stay within himself. I think that we'll see him revert back to those old habits. We'll see him uh, go back and forth with Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a guy that commonly uh, frustrates opponents. Uh, he'll do that to Russ. We'll see him go back and forth maybe uh, with Steven Adams. If, if there's a big foul down low whenever Russ is driving, you never know uh, what can happen with Russ. He will find an edge. He'll find a way to get upset about something. And when it works, it's great. But most of the time in the postseason, it doesn't work. At least not the last three years. So I find it hard to believe that Russ will remain uh, the uh, – the guy that doesn't shoot threes, that doesn't press, that plays within himself as he has this season. He has not played outside of himself this season. And what I mean by that is just the the jacking up bad shots. And the uh, you know, we had one bad possession. Now we're going to compound the problem by racing down the floor and turning it over. He did that frequently in Oklahoma City whenever he became the main guy. Uh, I think that he reverts back to that in a postseason series with Oklahoma City. I think that if this Thunder team got up on him about like, you know, a 5-0 run, he'd go down the floor and immediately shoot a three. And then it can snowball on you from there, as we've seen in Oklahoma City. I think that he'd have a hard time compartmentalizing what this series would mean to him personally, the same way he did against Dame Lillard, the same way he somehow did against Ricky Rubio. So this is going to be an interesting series from that aspect of it. Can, can Russell Westbrook continue to be uh, this this same player he has been this season of not taking threes uh, and continue to be a different player? Because this game does look totally different in Houston. Can he continue that trend in the postseason? And then you move on from that and just look at you know the Rockets as a whole. They're doing the small ball lineup. They don't have a single center on the roster. The Thunder have two guys that they can rotate in at that center spot that are starter caliber centers. Steven Adams, a fringe all-star kind of guy, and Nerlens Noel, a fringe starter kind of guy, whenever you don't have a center at all on your roster outside of Tyson Chandler, who's you know, as old as dinosaurs, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to work uh, against a Thunder lineup that will always be able to rotate in a starter-level center. I mean, who's going to defend Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel? Is it going to be Russell Westbrook? I, I don't understand how they think that this is going to work. Uh, you know, especially in the postseason when the games slow down and sets slow down. And that brings me again to the small ball lineup of the fatigue factor. What's been, what's everyone been saying in this quarantine period for the Rockets? Well, this is really great for them. They're going to get this rest. Uh, they're going to have time off. They're going to be able to, you know, regroup and re-energize themselves. That's all fine and well. They've got to play 11 games before the postseason. They've got to play back-to-backs. They've got to play every other day. They've got to practice. They've got to play these 11 games, and then they get thrown right into the postseason. So who's to say they're not going to be tired again in round one if they're if they're so thin with that rotation without a big man? I don't think that the fatigue goes away with Houston. Now, you can make that case for a lot of other teams that are deeper than Houston, but for Houston specifically, I don't see how that fatigue goes away 
when you factor in, they're just not a deep lineup. They didn't have to deal with any uh, significant injuries. I, I don't understand that factor of it for people uh, saying that, you know, they were going to regroup from this. Uh, and really, you have a couple weeks here in Orlando to, to practice as a team uh, to install some concepts defensively that might help you slow down guys like Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel. Uh, but if they want to go small, the Thunder can go small also with their three-guard lineup, which is their best lineup of the season. And that's, of course, with Chris Paul, Shea, and Dennis. Let's take a look at that because while the Rockets are going to play small, who is going to defend and keep up with the three-guard lineup from Oklahoma City? James Harden can't play defense. Russ can play defense in spurts, and we've seen him play excellent defense when he wants to. The problem is he doesn't always want to. He wants to always play the passing lane, not necessarily play straight-up man defense and lock you down. People still talk about a couple of years ago on Christmas Day when he locked up James Harden for two minutes. I don't think he can consistently do that through the course of a game and through the course of a playoff series. So I think that even though the Rockets want to play small, the Thunder have a better three-guard lineup, along with the fact that they can probably give the Rockets fits with Adams and Noel, along with the fact that we've seen through their two games who the better team is, Again, Chris Paul dominated the Rockets so bad that he asked Billy Donovan to take him out. He was done toying with the Rockets. That's the, the, that's the tone that was set within the season. I, I don't see uh, the Rockets being that big of an issue for the Thunder. Now, the Thunder are not going to sweep the Rockets by any means, but... I think there's way more positives about the Thunder with the Rockets uh, than vice versa. And it's another team that I feel that way about. And this is why I keep saying the Thunder have to get to that second round. We're going to continue to preview the different teams as we move forward this week and next week. The Thunder have to get to the second round because they are simply better than all of these teams that they're going to match up with in the first round. That's the bottom line. They didn't have the expectations coming into this year, but we have to look at the facts and look at what's been put on the floor this season. And this season, the Thunder have shown to be a top four team in the West, and they've shown that they're one of the best teams uh, in the West, the best conference in basketball. So while they didn't have expectations before, the expectation now, I think, has to be to get to the second round. Now, if they don't accomplish that, Will the level of devastation be as large as the last two years? Absolutely not. The last two years, you wanted your stars. You wanted Rush. You wanted Paul George to carry you further, uh, way further than the second round. You had that expectation level on them from the start. So you're not going to be as devastated if they don't reach that second round plateau. But right now as we sit here on July 15th, the Thunder have to be, they have to have the expectation on them of the second round. That's what they've shown us on the basketball court. Forget about what you thought about them in the preseason. This is who they are now. And that's how you have to judge basketball teams. I mean, you can't keep relying on your opinions of each team from the preseason. Again, in the preseason, I was extremely high on the Jazz. I think I picked them second in the West. That's not how it shook out. You've got to adapt your opinions with these teams and the thunder have, have changed a lot of people's minds already. And to me, 
although it seemed like house money in August, and it still is house money because we're not going to be as upset if they don't reach this goal. But to me, they have to be a second round team. After the break, we're going to talk about some other Thunder news and get into what could be happening next season in the NBA. But to wrap up this conversation about the Rockets, again, I've laid out my points on, on why the Thunder are better. I think if this is the playoff matchup in round one, the Thunder are going to win in, in five or six. I think that they're just a better team. So after the break, let's talk about some Thunder news from practice and get into what could happen next season. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So the Thunder had their media availability after practice yesterday, and it's important to note, again, Andre Robertson has practiced for the fourth straight day, and yesterday the team went through multiple scrimmages. And that's a big deal for Andre to start playing five on five, as Billy Donovan said he would. And it, it's it's good that we haven't really heard too much from Donovan about Andre. Uh, because if you remember before they went to Orlando, Billy Donovan said they were going to evaluate Andre on the five on fives in Orlando. Well, they just played one and we did not hear anything negative about Andre. So I think that no news is positive news. The only good news from this uh, and the only real updates you need is that it's four for four for Andre Robertson practicing. He has not missed a single practice for the Thunder. So that's awesome because, again, in training camp the last couple of years, he's always played, you know, on and off, you know, on one day, off the next day until he finally got shut down. The fact that he's practicing four straight days with no knee brace, no leg sleeve is awesome. You can go back and listen to yesterday's episode where I was very, very optimistic on what Andre could be for this team. Hamdou Diallo also spoke to the media, and he said that he will wear Black Lives Matter on the back of his jersey. Uh, and again, I applaud the NBA for doing this move. I've talked about it every time we bring up this topic. Uh, but he, he is the, I believe, the second guy to come out publicly and say what he's going to go ahead and wear. I know that Chris Paul will be wearing a quality, uh, but Chris Paul also said there's a lot of other guys who have not yet been available to us uh, that are going to announce what they're going to wear here pretty soon. Uh, but the Thunder also said what jerseys they'll be wearing in Orlando, and they're only going to be wearing, for the most part, the Sunset jerseys uh, and the Oklahoma City bombing jerseys. So that that's really going to be awesome to watch the Thunder on those jerseys because those are my personal favorites. Uh, but if you're unfamiliar with the names, it's basically just the orange jerseys and the black jerseys, the black and gold jerseys to commemorate the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, and then they're also going to wear the white jersey one time, I believe, against the Lakers. They'll wear that white jersey, the traditional home jersey. Uh, but other than that, it's going to be orange and black in the regular season and then the postseason. I'm sure they'll revert back to their normal, 
you know, white and blue and things like that. But hey, that's your jersey update if you cared about what they were going to wear in the bubble. For Hamadou Diallo, you will not see Diallo on the back of his jersey. You will see Black Lives Matter. Hat tip to Chris Paul in the NBA for putting that together and letting these players have that platform. But Billy Donovan did give us an update on where the team stands right now. And he says that they look good, that they're almost where they need to be conditioning-wise, which is, again, only four practices. And Billy Donovan thinks that they're almost there for conditioning. I think that that's really positive. And he, he did say that in those scrimmages, they were making some silly fouls but that is due to not being in in the proper condition. So it's kind of excusable because we're just kind of throwing these guys into the fire here uh, in in four days from Orlando. But still, that's your Thunder update from the media availabilities and the practice notes from the last couple of days here. The NBA is thinking about pushing back the start of their 2020-2021 season to March. So in that case, I probably would only call it the 2021 season, but nonetheless, the reason they're considering pushing this back is interesting. It's because they think that they can get a vaccine before then. So if you can get a vaccine before March and you start your season in March, you can have fans in the stands, of course. I've never been around for a massive vaccine before, at least not to my knowledge in my 22 years of living. I'm not sure how long it takes for a vaccine to not only get created, uh, but to get distributed to literally everyone on earth. Uh, How are you going to verify that each ticket holder has a vaccine? Will we have to bring the shot records to the game and show you with our ticket that we have a vaccine? I don't know what the protocols will be for this, uh, but from a strictly business standpoint, this is a short-sighted move that does not make a lot of sense to me. Now, I've been all for moving the schedule back. I've wrote about it on dailythunder.com. Moving the schedule away from football is a smart decision. Starting on Christmas Day would be a smart decision for every season, not just this season, because you move basically all of your games out of the NFL's way because you're not going to overtake football. However, starting in March would be a disastrous move. That's moving the schedule too far because what you're doing there is you're flip-flopping what you already have. So right now, you're already competing with the NFL. The difference is you're competing in October uh, with your game one through, what, 20 games. Your first 20 games will have the NFL uh, at some capacity around your sport. You can survive that. You can survive your first 20 games. What this schedule would do, if we start in March, it will flip that to where your postseason is competing with the NFL. And if there's a vaccine, there's obviously going to be an NFL season. There's obviously going to be fans in that NFL stadium. There's obviously going to be college football. There's going to be fans in that college football stadium that we're probably not going to get this season. So they're going to be even hungrier to get out to that football stadium and get out and watch some football games to where you will lose money at every turn for your postseason. And that's a bad look to lose a postseason ratings battle to the NFL regular season, to college football regular season. This is a, a wacky move to get, the, to get the easy ticket grab in March. What I would suggest would be starting your season on Christmas. Like I've always said, they're not going to miss that Christmas day because it's become a staple for fans. It's become a staple for this league. Start on Christmas, and then the end of your season will have fans, and then your postseason, of course, will have fans as well. And you even could get, give you some more off days in there because as we talked to Olivia on Friday about 
the run of injuries that you keep hearing about might not happen in Orlando. It might happen next season if we're going to start on Christmas. Normally, guys take the offseason and get some and get some surgeries done and clean some things up. You see Chris Paul, uh, excuse me, you see Russell Westbrook and, and Paul George do that recently the last couple of offseasons. Normally, that's how it goes, but if you're going to have to have a quick turnaround from, say, you know, you're done, you're out of the playoffs in September and you've got to play regular season basketball on, on Christmas Day, you're not going to have that time to get those procedures done uh, to where the injuries could linger and turn into something even bigger next season. So what you could do is create more off days in the interim uh, before we get to March or whatever target date you think we'll have a vaccine ironed out by, uh, and then backload the schedule to where more, more of your games happen after March or after whatever date, again, that you think the virus will be contained and there'll be a vaccine for it and you'll be able to have fans in your stands. But starting in March for game one, it seems very radical and it seems like something that is an easy cash grab right now. You'll probably sell out every single game as people look for activities to do once we have a vaccine. But again, come playoff time, I have a hard time believing you're going to win many battles with the NFL. That's why this season will be huge because your post your postseason right now is going to go up against football if there's a football season. So if there's a football season, we're going to see right now where fans will fall uh, in terms of watching it on television. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I would not even entertain this idea to start on March. That's been flying around within the NBA. This, uh, this article came from realgm.com saying that They've heard some sources that this is what the NBA is, is discussing right now. Again, easy cash grab on the front end. I think it ruins your postseason on the back end. And we haven't played basketball since March right now. So let's say the season ends in October. You've got October, November, December, January, February. Five months off for the two teams that made the NBA championship. But for the teams that got eliminated before then... And for the teams that didn't even enter the bubble, that's an even longer layoff for them uh, to where is it even safe to have basketball? You'd have to have a long revamp period there uh, before you can start playing games. I, I just, the logistics of this don't make sense. It's clearly incentivized by money and the less games you play without fans, the better. As we've seen across all of these sports, baseball being the most prevalent right now, uh, the, the more games you, you know, the less games you play without fans, the better off you are financially. I don't see how this all works out for the NBA starting in March, but let me know what you guys think. When would you start the next season if you were Adam Silver right now? Hit me up on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And after the break, we're going to talk about an update for the NBA bubble. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So, the NBA bubble 
has seen a few positive tests so far. The latest one as of right now is Michael Beasley, who was just signed by the Nets. He tested positive uh, this afternoon, and he's returning back to his home outside of the bubble, and he'll quarantine there. And his spot on the roster right now, according to Shams, is up uh, up for the debate. Uh, no one really knows if he will return to the bubble or not, uh, but uh, Michael Beasley is out. Uh, Joe Kitsch has just arrived to Disney World, and he's done with his two-day quarantine, I believe. So that's good for the Nuggets, and they're still missing Gary Harris and Michael Porter Jr. But they've seen in the bubble a few positive tests so far, and uh, Rashawn Holmes of the Kings has broken quarantine on accident. <laughs> Apparently he went down to the security area to pick up a, a Postmates delivery and it, it's crossed the line of where players can go. So he will have to be quarantined for 10 days. I believe it only got found out yesterday, but it was after the days had already started. So he has eight more days to quarantine before he can rejoin the Kings. James Harden is apparently healthy. Uh, we speculated a little bit uh, that after rest tested positive and the fact that Harden was not in the bubble along with Russ not being in the bubble, that maybe Harden had COVID as well. But apparently Harden is healthy. He's just not in the bubble yet. And he will travel to the bubble with Russell Westbrook whenever Russell Westbrook is healthy as well and ready to return to the bubble as well. Not sure why that Harden is, is waiting to join the bubble or why he's waiting to go into the bubble if he's fully healthy. Uh, but again, that's a decision that Harden has to make himself. And then the last bit of news here before we wrap up the show is that the snitch line, as people have called it, has been activated. People are tipping off the NBA uh, for various violations, such as not wearing your mask properly, such as not social distancing. Uh, players have received warning from the league uh, as other players are anonymously tipping off the league hotline about protocol violations. Uh, this is good. I've said it again. The snitch line thing is funny. Uh, it gets a lot of interaction on Twitter. But the bottom line is here, this is truly uh, a life-saving measure that you have to take. And I applaud any player that feels comfortable enough to do this to their fellow teammate or even just their fellow members of the NBA fraternity. You see Darius Baisley, uh, who was fishing and didn't have his mask on properly while he was fishing. He, he attempted to have it on right, uh, but it, was, it wasn't even covering his mouth at, at times. It was almost never covering his nose. He since has corrected that uh, on other videos. Shea and, and Paul went fishing and wore their masks to perfection, so good job to Shea and Chris Paul. Uh, but nonetheless, that's the update from the bubble. Everything seems to be going all right. Um, again, only two positive tests uh, whenever you look at it from, from inside the bubble. And I'm not sure. If, it's unclear if those two positive tests were once you get to Disney World or before the team traveled at all. You know, they failed the tests you need to travel to Disney World. So it's not sure if there's been any positive test once you're inside uh, the Disney World Resort and things like that. So everything's going smooth right now. Still on track to have scrimmages start up next week and have games the following week and get right into this restart period. So on today's show, we recapped uh, the availabilities from the media for Andre, uh, an update on Andre, Billy Donovan, and Himadou Diallo. We also talked all about the Thunder matchup with the Rockets. Let me know what you guys think about that. Do you see the, the Thunder as a better team than the Rockets, or do you think that I'm not giving the Rockets enough credit? 
hit me up on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. Tomorrow, we're going to talk all about the Dallas Mavericks as a possible playoff opponent and why the Thunder match up so well with them. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.